0: So, we're back in the book of Mark, and uh, if you've been around for the last few weeks, you'll know that we have been traveling through Mark uh, chapter by chapter under the heading of Jesus No Filter. We're trying to dig really into this book to get a feel for what's going on, to learn about who Jesus is, about the kingdom of God, and the other key players in his story. You can uh, join in on Twitter uh, today. That would be great. I love reading tweets. At the end, uh, Jesus no filters the hashtag. And uh, if you haven't been around or you've missed one, then do catch up with them uh, on iTunes, as Simon mentioned this morning. It's been an interesting journey so far, hasn't it? A few of you said yes. We've met the key players. We've learned right from the beginning that Jesus said, "I have come to bring good." news. That was the first week. Come to bring good news, like the angels announced, of great joy. Brilliant. Okay. Few are awake at Christmas as well. It's good. It's good. We've been learning about the fact that Jesus came and he announced that the kingdom of God was coming. It's been an interesting journey because we've met the goodies and the baddies already. We've met the disciples. Hooray. And we've met the teachers of the law. Not so great. We've got way more to come. We're going to be preaching through uh, Mark up until this summer. So uh, it's a joy to get to chapter 5, but we've got an awful lot more to come. And today we're introduced to a key truth that has been picked up already, but actually is unpacked hugely here. And that is that Jesus heals. It's presented as the truth of this chapter. Jesus is the one who heals The first bit of the chapter that we didn't have read to us talks about uh, Jesus meeting a man who is possessed with many demons. He comes and he is out of his mind, the verse says. And that he's socially unacceptable, that he isn't a comfortable man to be around, that many are fearful of him. Jesus in one go heals him. And Jesus says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Right at the beginning of chapter 5, we're presented with the truth that Jesus heals and that is something to celebrate and shout about. Many of us in this room can testify to this truth too. My own story has seasons where God has healed me, not just physically, but emotionally as well, where I've needed God's healing power in my life, and he has healed. Through the later parts of my 20s, I had terrible IBS. It really was crippling in my stomach, and God healed that. Over a period of six months, he healed that in all kinds of ways the emotional scarring, and the physical scarring. I can testify today to the fact that I haven't had IBS since I was 30, which isn't that long ago. <laughs> the truth that I believe and that is presented here is that Jesus heals. I know, though, because I know quite a few of you in this room, already you're asking yourself this question. Why isn't Everyone healed. Now, hold that thought because as soon as I started reading this passage, my very conditioned brain started going, Well, why isn't everyone healed? I want you to do something really brave for this. I want you for this moment to hold that thought, put this question in a box, and let it disappear. We are going to come to that at the end of this talk. I'm going to answer that question. But I'd just like us to hear the truth of the first part of this chapter before that question pushes all of what I'm about to say out. Can you do that? Just trust me, we're going to come to it. But until that, let's just stick with this point Jesus heals. And this is truth. Let's dive into the passage, shall we? We read here that Jesus heals three different people. He heals a man controlled by demons. The second story that was read to us is a lady with incurable medical conditions. She'd been bleeding for 12 years, seen many doctors, it says, and uh, she was seemingly incurable. And then there's a little girl who was terminally ill and who actually dies in the story. Three very different stories. Mark's very good at that. I'm not sure if these all happened on the same day. It certainly would have been an exciting day if that had been the case. But frankly, it would have been an exciting month if all three of these things had happened. Mark weaves these stories together and he shouts loud, Jesus heals in different ways and in different circumstances. Each of them were struggling with different kinds of illnesses, but all of them were healed. Think about... uh, The lady with the incurable medical condition, it says she'd been bleeding for 12 years, she'd seen many doctors, spending all her money, and yet she had grown worse. Jesus comes along, he's walking through the crowd, and she reaches out and touches him, and he knows power's gone out of him, and she is immediately healed what about the little girl? It's interesting that uh, this lady had been ill for 12 years, and this little girl was 12 years old. Is that a coincidence? No, I think Mark's weaving these stories together. She was 12 years old, terminally ill. Her father comes to Jesus and says, Will you come? And he says, Yes, but he gets waylaid. And when he gets there, she's died. Everyone's weeping and wailing, and Jesus just looks at them and says, Take courage. She's only asleep. Picks her up, and she's healed immediately. Mark is winding these stories together and he's shouting, Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to heal. And these stories hold together this truth and show us a bit more about who Jesus is. Now, Simon, two weeks ago, preached a a brilliant sermon on the parables and on the stories that Jesus told to illustrate what his ministry and his rescue plan was all about. But this passage, straight after all those stories, highlights that Jesus isn't just a good teacher, that he's a man of his words, that what he says, he then shows. He shows what the truth of the kingdom of God is. He talks about the riches and the treasures that the kingdom of God will bring, And then he shows what they look at. So look at this verse. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from all suffering. Jesus talks in stories about freedom a lot. But then he shows what real freedom is. He shows that he is not only talking about the kingdom of God, but he is bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. And this is what it looks like he says. It looks like freedom, freedom from suffering. So these passages show us that Jesus heals, that he isn't just a good teacher, even though he is, that he's even more than that. But we also learn from Mark, not just here, but this verse is in uh, chapter 9 of Matthew, that Jesus' will is always to heal. Read this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing, you can read, every disease. I've heard uh, people say to me a number of times, well, it wasn't God's will for that person to be healed. I don't believe that that is true. Come back to the garden of Eden with me. How did God make Adam and Eve beautiful? Beautiful. Naked, those two things went hand in hand. He made them free from illness, sickness, and with bodies that would never ever die. God's will is not for sickness and pain. God's will and design for us was never that we would be ill. But then that little ad, apple came along, didn't it? And the snake with his words of temptation. And at that point, we read in Genesis 3, at that point, sickness and death entered. Because we disobeyed God, sickness came into the world and the whole of eternity was changed. We were made with bodies that would last forever. But in Genesis 3, it goes on and says, one day you're going to die. You're going to die because of what has happened. God's will is always, always been that we will be healthy and whole. But everything changed with that apple. We were created for life, for peace, for joy, for wholeness, for wellness. God's kingdom is about all of these things. Hold that thought. We're going to need it again in a few minutes. God heals. Jesus heals in this chapter. And his will is always to heal. This chapter, though, also shows us something about who Jesus is, that he's a God God of compassion and of power. Now, I know lots of you know this, but two of the characters we meet here are women. Women in the Bible times were very low status. So not only have we got two women who were lower status than a man, we've got one who was bleeding for 12 years, who would have been a social outcast. Blood, In Old Testament Jewish culture was a sign of life. To have an illness of the blood made you socially unacceptable. She would have been very brave to be in that crowd. That's courage. But also, we've got a 12-year-old female girl child. Again, socially, low of the low. Wouldn't have been allowed to be educated. Uh, Would have been seen as, oh, well, I've got a girl. Jesus here is healing two people in human eyes who shouldn't have been healed. But we know who Jesus is, don't we? Who were the first people to see him at the tomb? Alive? Women. I love the fact that Jesus is telling us here that he heals everybody. The video we saw at the beginning of the dedication says it's not about intelligence. It's not about good looks, fortunately. It's not about how wise or intelligent or beautiful or rich we are. God loves each of us. And God longs for each of us to live in his kingdom and for all of us to know him as friend, as Lord, as saviour. All of us to experience his love, his compassion and his power. Nothing can stop us from knowing God It says in the Bible, and knowing that we are loved. And I love the way that Jesus speaks to both of the the woman and the young child. Uh, This is complete compassion if you know 12 year old girls. Jesus heals them and then says, can someone get her some food? She's really hungry. Is that compassion? (laughs) If you've ever met a 12 year old girl who needs uh, like some food, they're not very pleasant. So he right there and then reaches in on a very human level and says, I've healed her. Now someone get her some food before she gets hangry. Jesus heals in compassion and in power. Jesus healed then. And I believe Jesus is still healing now. And I'm looking around this room and I can see loads of us that can testify to the truth that Jesus has healed us. He's healed of us all kinds of things, both physical, emotional, mental. He's brought peace and joy in places where there was pain and hurt. He's brought movement in limbs that haven't you, been used for so long. You only need to type into a, a website, Does Jesus Heal Today? and you're t- full of testimony after testimony of people claiming that Jesus has healed them. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Hope you get the picture. But Jesus's healing shows us something that's a key theme throughout Mark. Jesus's healing, as I've already said, shows us the kingdom of God. Let's have a look through this passage. You might find it handy to have open. Uh, Jesus heals uh, and restores people to their right minds. That's what the first passage talks about in 5 verse 15. He restores the guy's mind. He had been socially unacceptable, but then he's sent back to his village, and they're all going, wow. And it says something about him being at peace in his mind. But Jesus frees people from sickness, shame, and suffering. That's what the lady with the uh, bleeding condition teaches us. Jesus frees us from fear. Jesus frees us from grief. Jesus frees us from even Death. Wow, our Easter celebrations reminded of that. But again today, this is what the kingdom of God is like, friends. This is what it looks like. No more death, no more grief, no more fear, no more suffering, shame and sickness. No more people feeling like their mind is being torn apart. Jesus' healing give us a glimpse of what a restored kingdom looks like. And it's just a glimpse here. There's way more to see in the Bible, and I long for even a glimpse of it today. But here's another passage that we know well. This is uh, uh, referring to uh, uh, Isaiah. Reading Isaiah gives us a good, good idea of what uh, the kingdom of God will look like in its fullness. But Jesus here uh, refers back to a bit in Isaiah and says, this is what the kingdom of God will be looked like. I am sent to proclaim good news to the poor, to uh, proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery for the sight of the blind, to set oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is another glimpse of the kingdom of God, where everybody is treated well, not just the rich, the poor too. For those who are in prison in one way or another, and I'm not just talking about physical walls, I'm talking about people who feel like they're prisoners to illness or sickness, prisoners to their mind, prisoners in one way or another. Jesus is promising freedom to them to set the oppressed free to recover the sight of the blind, both physical and spiritual. Jesus' healings show us what the kingdom of God is like. There's another verse here. It's right at the end of the Bible. It's one of my favorite verses. This is what the kingdom of God is like, where God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And one day, it says, the kingdom of God will mean that there is no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old things have passed away and the new has come, it goes on to say. Going back to what Adam and Eve experienced at the beginning where there's no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more hurt. Because God himself is going to be our Lord and our king and his kingdom does not have any of these things in. Jesus's healings are a signpost to what the kingdom of God is like. But as I said at the beginning, Jesus's healings also leave us with a ton of questions, don't they? Why isn't everyone healed? Now, Simon preached on this in 2014, for those of you who like to look back. He preached on it for like eight months. I've only got one sermon, so I'm not going to try. But he starts with this (laughs) Really simple phrase. I don't know. He's very wise, isn't he? He says, why isn't everyone healed? I don't know. And I want to say the same. I don't know. You see, whilst the ways of the kingdom have been revealed to us in some way, many of them are still a mystery to us mere humans. I don't know why some people are healed today and others aren't The religious leaders actually claimed that they did know, but look at their hearts, and they were the ones that ended up being part of killing Jesus. We don't know, and we aren't in a place to claim that we know why someone is healed and someone isn't. At a number of funerals recently, we've sung Sovereign Over Us, a brave song to sing. I'm going to read the lyrics. There is strength within the sorrow, There is beauty in our tears and you meet us in our mourning with a love that casts out fears. You're working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. What's beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. I don't know why some people are healed and some people are not. But I know that there are things beyond our understanding that God is saying, I'm holding those because you don't need to know them. I just need you to trust me. This is hard for us, especially when we have inquisitive minds or if we're in a place ourselves where we're really banging on heaven and saying we need to see your healing, we need to see your healing. And there are a few clues that I'm going to give us now because just to say to you guys, I don't know, I don't think is my job. There are a few clues to why everyone isn't healed that we can bring out here. And theologians like to talk about it being the fact that we're living in the now and not yet kingdom. You see, think about those little girl or the woman who had that illness. She was healed by Jesus, but did she never get sick and die again? Well, if she didn't die again, where is she? I haven't seen her on BBC News. I think that would be a good story. I'm 2,000 years old. I'm still here because Jesus healed me. We have every reason to believe that that little girl did die again, hopefully in full years after a very brilliant life. But she did die again. Jesus brought her back from the dead, but eventually she then went back to be with him in heaven. We're living in the in between times, between the resurrection and the final coming of Jesus. The now, the resurrection has come, but it's not in all of its fullness yet. We're living in times where we are under the new covenant and we can experience God and who he is, but we aren't at that place where that Bible verse reminded us, where every tear will be wiped away and there is no more death. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But there are promises, aren't there, all the way through the New and Old Testament that one day we will be there. So this is the bit just before that verse I read about no more tears and no more sadness. Look, God's dwelling place, his kingdom, is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his God and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the promise, that one day we will have God with us, his kingdom fully here, and there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more sadness. That's the fullness of the kingdom here on earth and heaven. But we're not there yet. This is the promise, but this is the reality we're living in. This is the not-yet kingdom where we live now. And Paul writes... Uh, about it. And he says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we find that we have the first fruits of the spirit. So we've seen some of what the resurrection has achieved for us and done, but we're groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption into sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is talking about the end when we are living fully in the kingdom. But it's saying up till then we're going to groan inwardly as if in childbirth. Talk to Hannah how that felt. That was a joke. Don't talk to her. She'd be mortified. We're living in the kingdom of God but not in its fullness. We're in a middle ground. We've seen some reality of the kingdom here on earth but not in its fullness yet. Yet. And as pulpits, that's not an easy place to live. It's not comfortable. It's a time that often makes no sense to us. It's a time where it hurts, where it's sad. It's a time where we see ourselves or loved ones struggling, suffering, facing things that no human was designed to face. It's a time where we know there's a promise, but we're not experiencing that in its fruition yet. It's not an easy place for us to live. And many of us are even in that place now, longing for healing, longing for the fullness of the kingdom, but not seeing it in its fullness yet. So, how do we live today? How do we live today? We're holding up the truth that God heals, we're holding up the truth that we're in the now and not yet kingdom. We're holding to the fact that we know God can heal me today, but he hasn't yet, or may not yet. How do we live in that? How do we live in that place? We could say God doesn't heal today, and many people have gone with that, that the Jesus we read in Mark 5 uh, isn't at work like that in our world today. My own experience says that's rubbish. And the experience of so many people around this room and beyond say that's rubbish too. We believe that the same power is at work in our world today that raised Jesus from the dead. And therefore he can heal. Many of us in the room testify to that today. But does God always heal in the way we want him to? No. And many of us in the room can testify to that too. The longings, the groanings of the kingdom in its fullness are so felt by so many of us. We long for God to heal, but sometimes it feels like heaven's a bit quiet on it. Another thought though, does living in the not yet kingdom mean we shouldn't pray for healing? It's tempting sometimes, isn't it? Oh, well, we're in the not yet kingdom. It's not going to happen. This verse in Matthew reminds us that we kind of need to Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, so freely give. In this place of not yet, we've got to call that simple prayer that Jesus left us to pray Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' words to the disciples here are also his words to us. There's a promise, and it's coming. But in the not yet, we've got to carry on praying for healing, for miracles. got to carry on trusting that our God heals and saves, that he can heal our minds, he can heal our bodies. And we have to trust him when we don't see it happen in the way we would like to. It's our commission, too, to keep bravely praying, to keep bravely expecting God's kingdom to come here, and to keep trusting that one day the fullness of the kingdom is coming. Our commission is to keep bravely praying. Our commission is to live with the mystery that I talked about and the sovereignty of God in this not yet kingdom. That's not easy. And so if you do nothing else out of today, I've got a challenge for each of us. Our commission is to help and encourage each other as we live in this not yet kingdom. God doesn't place us to travel alone, does he? That's why we dedicated Alfie in front of his friends and family and his church family. Alfie's not uh, going to grow up alone, is he? He's got us a lot. Isn't he lucky? He's called to be part of a family. He's been sent to be part of this family now living in the not yet kingdom though is hard and so as family this week who is God sending you to to encourage to pray for to pick up the phone and have a chat with as you're living in the not yet kingdom who do you know who you need to go and pray for this week to send a card, flowers, whatever it is that God's going to speak to you about. Who do you need to go this week to encourage and say, here is the promises of God. We're not seeing them in fullness yet, but let me pray them into your life anyway. Let me pray for healing. Let me pray for hope to be restored. Let me pray for your mind, your body, your spirit, whatever it is that God is highlighting to you. You see, living in the not yet kingdom's hard, but that's why Jesus has sent us to travel together. Let's encourage one another in this place. And until then, until we are all gloriously in heaven with our resurrected bodies where there's no more sadness, no more sickness, let's keep praying your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's keep expecting that God is healing even with the disappointment when he doesn't in the way that we should. Let's keep calling on God for the kingdom to come now here on earth and let's ask God to give us a glimpse of what could be and trusting that he is gonna do it. I've got two end questions for you and then Simon's going to come and lead us as we uh, come to an end. Who am I praying for for healing and what am I praying? If We believe that God is healing even in the not yet kingdom who am I going to commit to pray for this week? And then secondly, how can I encourage myself and others to live in this time? What's God saying to you about that? Who do you need to phone this week? Who do you need to pop around and pray for? Who do you need to encourage? That yes, this is hard, but God can still break into our experience. Let's have a moment of quiet and Simon's going to come and lead us.
1: Just a, a few things as we, we begin to, to dig into that brilliant word, uh, the honesty, the vulnerability, the reality. Just a couple of things, a sense of the Spirit, <clears throat> particularly wanting uh, to say for some of us, we've always assumed that we are the issue. There's something wrong with me. To put it in that ancient story context, I'm I've got some blood, something wrong, some uncleanliness about me. Or I'm a woman, to put it into that context. I'm the wrong shape, size, situation, background, status, whatever it is. Something wrong with me. And the the Spirit of God just wants to uh, harpoon that, to to burst that lie that's built in our hearts. It's not about you The healing of God flowed to people that were the unlikely people. The healing of God flowed to those that others would not have chosen. The healing of God was indiscriminate. It just swept and embraced everybody. The healing of God embraces you today. The love of God embraces you this morning. His compassion is for you today. And the second thing I just sense the Spirit of God saying is that, uh, uh, everyone who touches me receives from me. As we've been hearing, it might not be in the way that we, that we desire, the way that we can see from our own perspective, but everyone who touches me receives from me. And so with that belief and in that confidence, if when that question came up on the screen, who am I praying for, maybe that's your, Yourself. What am I praying for? If you instantly, instinctively knew what that was, just want to invite you where you're sitting to raise your hand as a, as a sign that you're pushing through the crowd to touch him. Just invite you now to raise your hand. If you're in that situation this morning, a few of you today know exactly what the Spirit of God's putting his finger on. So we just pray in the name of Jesus. For those that are reaching out, pushing through whatever the crowd is, the busyness, the the, the untruth, whatever's, whatever's crowding in around them this morning and touching you. And so in this moment we receive what your kingdom presence has come to bring. In this moment we receive the certainty of your presence and the promise for now and the not yet. And as Jesus spoke the word to that woman and spoke the word to that little girl, we have ears and hearts open this morning. And we're asking you to say the word into that situation, into my brokenness, into that person's situation. And so even as we sing, cause faith to rise that your word changes everything.